0: Welcome to Forgive Me Father, here in the Confession Booth, we discuss how a certain aspect of life and church culture work together or don't mesh so well. Through discussions of personal vices and victories, we hope to help everyone understand each other more and create dialogue no matter what you've experienced or believe.
1: Me, father, for I've sinned.
2: What sins have you committed?
1: I avoid emotional expression, I rely on myself, and I condemn anything feminine towards men.
0: Here, like, I think it's my upstairs, but it also could just be like someone who's very heavy foot heavy footed walking on the other side of the hall.
2: I hear Uh, a vacuum.
1: Oh wow, Um, I don't I don't hear any of those things.
2: (laughs) Are (laughs) you
0: tripping?
1: (laughs) We're all just crazy. It's fine. I, yeah, yeah, it's all good. You no, know, heightened hearing. Y'all got abilities beyond me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just the spirits out there. Yeah. Outside outside of this confession booth.
2: We're clairvoyant. There you
1: go. Like, I Christopher
3: <laughs> no, actually, I'm, I'm a Capricorn. Hello. <laughs> oh wow. Wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, dude, I was, I was born in December. Not I, me.
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> that was the worst joke. <laughs> that was I so bad. <laughs> Are you clairvoyant? No, I'm a Capricorn. No, I'm a Capricorn, Capricorn
1: dude. So good.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> clairvoyant was, rising now. So, <laughs> you know, so same good. but
3: different. <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> so good.
0: <laughs> oh man. Oh I'm gonna
3: man. Throw up. I'm all,
2: it's still like you did, I you throw up. That's good.
1: <laughs> man,
2: that is good.
0: I know man. I mean, was going to take
4: blessed.
1: that. just just one day. I'm going to take that. If I ever hear someone say, he must be a point, I'm like, that's my cue. <laughs> <So laughs> i been waiting for like, like, this moment.
2: It's oh so gosh. specific. It's like,
1: thank you, John.
2: <laughs> He's going to get so excited. He's going to mess the joke up. <laughs> exactly.
1: I'm going to sit there going for it. I'm going fumble. I'm like, dang it. No, no. <laughs> don't, no, don't, cap, a, Capricorn am I.
4: <laughs> Wait. Right. Yeah.
1: so what did i say oh <laughs> can you can you repeat that let's just run that back
4: <laughs> it's like the scene
2: with uh michael scott when he's like hey what's up dog what's up dog ha, i gotcha." I- <laughs> oh yeah i neither
4: can't get the joke
2: right <laughs> he couldn't do it all
0: right guys welcome back to the confession booth welcome back to forgive me father uh today we are going to be talking about toxic masculinity what does it mean uh how does it permeate throughout church culture and what can we do as a society uh to one get you know to not perpetuate toxic masculinity but also even within a church culture how can we uplift a true biblical perspective of a man rather than a toxic perspective aj i think this is going to be one that's that's pretty pretty important because i think like toxic masculinity is such a big topic and it's such a broad spectrum of things that it could be and obviously like church culture is no is, is never exempt from that
2: oh absolutely it is to this day still one of the most popular like arguable topics when it comes to anything um so i'm very interested to hear what our friend today has to say
0: Yes, and that friend is De Xavier Duberry, a very close friend of mine.
1: Hello, hello! Thank you both for having me on the show.
0: Of course, welcome to the show. Welcome to the Confession Booth, De Xavier and I. We go, we go pretty far back. We we were Absolutely. good buddies. We are good buddies. We still shall be How did good you say buddies. Say like that. I don't know right. why I said it like that, but we're recording and the red light's on, and here we go. So we're keeping it in there.
1: Hey, go ahead. It's, it's, it's something like that that brings it brings it out of each other. Like we just look at each other, we just get uber excited. So
2: it's uh, for sure. It's a bromance. Sure.
0: Oh, it, it was a bromance that disgusted your wife Judith for quite some yes. time.
2: Yes,
1: <laughs> yes. She was like stop it, let him go. We need to leave now. I'm like okay.
4: <laughs> let him go. Right.
0: Yeah, there were uh, there were times where him and I would you know within the you know church service or you know afterwards when we're all just hanging out, him and I would just like start complimenting each other, and Ooh. it was like just like random stuff of like oh like that's a that's a good hug, like that's a fantastic hug, and then it would like right. slowly progress into being like a little more like not necessarily like intimate but it was just dude your eyes like they're just sparkling in the light and then <laughs> it would go from that to i remember exactly. one time i think if i i think the xavier was like yeah i could just like braid your hair blah 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 and i was like yeah i just want to like grab your beard and like your beard hairs and just swing from them like a like a swing. Yes. <laughs> And then judith was like oh, disgusting no this is too much like stop talking to him <laughs> actually like physically separated us
4: it was so good oh man
1: uh those yeah those definitely are so much fun because like like it is it just escalates so it's like we just keep going to see how high we can just keep going and just see how we can look at everybody else their Mm. reactions it was just amazing
0: (laughs) yeah with judith it was almost like how how long can we keep saying this or like how far can we push this until she really does kind of like Physically separate us, which she normally did, and it was just—it yeah. was a game for us, and yes. maybe a little concerning for her and everybody else that was within earshot. Right.
2: All you bros out there, take notes.
1: Exactly. This Let is your bros problem. know.
2: Let your bros know that their eyes are sparkling in the light.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, and I think even that, which is like funny, because it's obviously we were being like really dumb, having a lot of fun and things like that, but. That is even honestly a sign of how much I look. I looked up to De Xavier back then, and even still now, when it comes to the topic of healthy masculinity, because guys, most times, I guess stereotypically, they would never even joke about, you know, right. the, each other's eyes looking good, or like we used to compliment each other's like shirts, So, you know, like real casual stuff. But from like a lot of stuff in society like man to man it's almost very taboo to to compliment each other uh and we were obviously on the very opposite end of that
1: spectrum. (laughs) if if there's a spectrum for that so (laughs) we just whatever it was it's our own so like it was completely different
0: (laughs) exactly exactly when it came to the idea of like healthy masculinity everybody else was playing checkers and we were like yo yo, well, let's go play some, like, Connect Four
1: or something. Like Exactly. <laughs> a, highly, a highly sophisticated and difficult game, I tell you. Connect Four.
0: That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. A league of our own. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so for those who uh, aren't familiar with with De Xavier and I, we were a part of the same church uh, in Roanoke, Virginia, for quite some time. I believe we met in 20 was either 2013 or 2014 because you had started dating your now wife around that time and you were coming through to visit uh and you and i just had this instant connection of friendship which obviously has continued throughout the years uh and even into to moving into when he moved to virginia or when he moved to roanoke at that time uh he led the young adults singles ministry that we were a part of uh, we also called it like the young professionals, um, right. had many names, but he was one of the leaders of that. And he was actually my mentor slash accountability partner for quite some time. So we were able to grow with each other a lot, both in our personal lives and also spiritually. Uh, and that's like, where, like I said before, where a lot of the ways that I look up to, to you, but also the way, a lot of the ways I think about healthy masculinity comes from,
1: uh, our, our friendship, honestly. I agree 100%, you know, and, and yeah, those are definitely, you know, great times, you know, through the good, you know, even through some challenging parts as well, but at the same time everything was healthy, you know, everything was, it was normal, you know, I felt fine and just being able to have enough freedom of expression and just being comfortable, you know, which was, which was really key, just being able to either compliment just being loving, being able to honestly just be like great friends, but also just be brothers, you know, really just being able to stick by each other, you know, made, made, you know, masculinity an incredible thing, you know, just to be able to see, you know, within a setting, not just within church, but just in general, like you said earlier, where men, as I was just stigmatized, how like, it's hyper, you know, individualism or, hey, for this masculinity, if that's feminine, I don't want anything to do with it, you know, because whatever insecurities that they would feel, or if they feel like they'll be in alone or be called out themselves, but it wasn't like that, you know, at all, you know, like it was, i with that, I tried to be that way with everyone, you know, not everybody receives it equally, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but at the same time, I'm, uh, I'm definitely 100% comfortable you know, with myself and not allowing you know, what people try to you know, genderify or put a label on things as what is less manly or what is manly to be. I definitely break all those doors.
0: <laughs> For sure. Uh, and before we jump into the topic of, of toxic masculinity, uh, why don't you give everybody just a little, a little background of, of who you are and where you're from? Pretty sure that's like a Backstreet Boys song, right? Who you are, where you're from? Nope. What exactly. You
2: do, as long as, as you long as you love That is me. not even near the song.
0: Yeah, I said who you are, where you're from.
2: Where you're
3: from? Oh. <laughs> it is. Yep. AJ, are you even here?
0: Lutheran... Are you? Are you in the?
2: <laughs> Listen, do you I'm not Backstreet. I'm not. Did you I'm... boy band? <laughs> I did. Not your era, though.
1: <laughs> that hurts, but it's true. It does. Like, it does. It. <laughs> A little crack in the heart because it's like, man, I'm getting older, and it's like your era of pop. I'm like, dang.
2: Hey.
0: <laughs> Back when,
1: right? Back, Back before, before I was mask. born. Yeah. <laughs> right. Jeez. Uh, my name is Xavier Dewberry. I am a a help desk. uh Pretty much helped us tier three associate, and I'm currently living in Manassas, Virginia, with my beautiful wife, uh, Judith, of uh, a little over four years, and our soon to be 11 uh, month old daughter. So, that uh, is amazing. I uh, love Scarlett, she's amazing, she's a lot of fun. Being a dad's great. I've always loved technology, uh, I've always been involved with you know, putting working on computers, taking apart, putting them together gaming. I'm very much into anything artistic. So if I do some painting, some sketching, some woodworking, I do whatever that allows me to flex my creativity. It's like this whole profile thing I'm writing out for myself. Um, Your but, stats.
4: Yeah. <laughs> right. Right.
1: <laughs> Doing all these things. Um, but yeah, but aside from all of those things too, I've also been a disciple which will be coming close to December 23rd for 20 years uh, being Ooh. restored for five of them, you know, so definitely has been a great a long and challenging journey, just really learning God's love for myself and how I can love God more, but also how I can love other people with God's love as well.
4: Yeah,
0: for sure. And for those who may not know, uh disciple is what the family of churches that, Xavier is a part of that. I used to be a part of, uh, that's what they call themselves. Acts 11 talks about how the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch, which yep. meant that disciples and Christians are synonymous. It's just <clears throat> Christian is a more popular name nowadays. Right. Uh, so a lot of people think, you know, the 12 that very closely followed Jesus, they think, Oh, those were the disciples. Like now that's not. that's not actually true. Uh, the disciples were just people who followed jesus anybody who follows jesus back then right now uh so christians actually was a bit of a, a put down name back in that time where they were at yeah. basically christian meant like a little christ so people around there'd be like oh look at this little christ walking around um uh, yeah, and so that's a slur. <laughs> yeah exactly that's where that name actually started and then wow. yeah right <laughs> It knowledge.
3: Was
2: an insult. knowledge the more you know
0: <laughs> the more you know Absolutely. a little rainbow goes across the yeah. sky <laughs> exactly <laughs> and then being restored like De Xavier was saying is is someone who who falls away from the fellowship or leaves the fellowship uh and then uh, comes back to the fellowship comes back to god almost like the prodigal son in a sense right. if you have not listened to rachel's episode uh she is the first episode of the first season she actually goes and to a bit more of depth of what it's like to leave, uh, the church community and then go back to the church community and all of the fears and the thoughts, uh, and even advice that comes with that. But yeah, so Xavier has been a, a very faithful man. Like I said, he was my mentor, which is great because I think as a leader, most men, I think in society, uh, we deem men to be like strong and like built and like have it all together and stuff right. like that. But it really is interesting because. When you think about the men that God chose, like especially in the Old Testament, like they weren't necessarily that those categories. You know, they weren't right. Batman, they weren't Captain America, they weren't, you know, Tony Stark esque. And I just, I just think that's really interesting. I and mean, it's, it's
1: yeah, these yeah, dudes were like the uncommon of uncommons. They're like fishermen. You know, you would have your occasional, you know, physician you know, a tax collector, you know, a woodworker or a mason worker, but but a lot of these men, you know, were pretty low, you know, pretty low families, you know, and, but at the same time, what I love about how God, you know, reaches out to different men is the fact that it's all types. So it's not like one of those types that as John was explaining, you know, like a, Tony Stark or a, or Steve Rogers type or whatever, like his macho guy, but it was just like all types of men, you know? So that's what just makes it incredible to see that. Yes. Even you, the person who feels they're unlikely of being a leader or being considered a strong man. Yes. You are also strong. Yeah,
0: for sure. It's, it's interesting when you think about the ones that, that Jesus chose the fishermen the uncult, not the uncultured, the uneducated men as they're called. Uh, And then you look at Gideon and judges. You look at Moses in Exodus, uh, Abraham in Genesis, and just all these men that are chosen. And it really does, I think, really start at the point uh, where we can talk about toxic masculinity versus a type of healthy masculinity within the church is when you look at David, the man after God's own heart. In first Samuel 16 is when there's a prophet named Samuel, hence the great. book name, going to pick the next who was going to be the next great king of Israel. And so he goes there, and he's looking through all of this this man, Jesse, all of his sons. He's got many, many sons. He's like, "Surely, this guy is super tall, he looks really strong. This is God's next chosen person." Uh, and in verse seven, of first samuel 16 it says but the lord said to samuel do not consider his appearance or his height for how i have rejected him the lord does not look at the things people look at people look at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart and david this man chosen was actually watching the sheep for his family and wasn't even called in to be considered one of the Great. future kings
1: of israel craziness
0: which is insane, but I think in today's culture we have a very, like I said, we have a, a set example of what we think men should look like in that yep. way. So for you, to Xavier, being being a man that you know grew up in the church culture and even still uh, in church culture, where are maybe where are some aspects where you've seen a type of toxic masculinity, or even how have you felt the pressures of a toxic masculinity?
1: Boy, that's a great question. So being a disciple, as long as I have, I've been able to, you know, be able to observe, to be a part of, or to be also on a receiving end, you know, of talk to masculinity within a church culture. And I say that because it's not intentional that these things are being done. A lot of times, this is what's also been passed on to them as well. You know, so it is a, constant you know struggle or a constant just refocus on okay let's get back to what it really is just being men and how we can go about that in that way but it takes back to just being able to learn but in a church setting of like toxic masculinity i could easily see it where you have to either have this major prestigious background you know like getting a degree at this college or having to play a college sport or being known as like upright, loud, you know, speaking with loud volume of power, like, wow, you know, like you're, like you are a modern day, you know, warrior Mm -hmm. on the, as an appearance and as your action. So of course, whenever we talk about leading, we want to be able to look for people that Others on the outside who are seeking or wanting to grow and learn more about God or understand. You want to be able to have those kind of people in the front. And ever so often you have the few who who are pretty like meek or calm, collected, soft-spoken, you know, art background, or you know, somebody who's really great being a great order, you know, like you have those people who are, who make up the minority who may not be as sport-like or collegiate in any other way, but yet they're also in form of leadership of being able to lead a discussion group about the Bible or being able to lead a church. But a lot more times you will be able to see is a specific type of people, which again, are the, you know, the hyper sport types, the loud types, the ones who look physically strong are the ones who tend to be picked. And where that comes in with me, you know, I wasn't always, I wasn't the loudest unless I'm amongst my friends and we joke around, but I wasn't, you know, the loudest trying to purposely, you know, put myself out there. I didn't play any, you know, college football or basketball. I just didn't have the interest, you know, and which is different. Cause my dad played high school football, you know? And so it's like the expectation I, I could have played, but I didn't,
4: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> didn't, didn't really like it, but I didn't have that. I didn't have a traditional, you know, college degree and like in an advanced study or in a study of like, you know, science or engineering or just any other, you know, I just didn't have those things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times that's where I would equate myself as being not just a man, but also a man of God. Oh, if I have these things, if only I accomplished these things, therefore I could potentially lead. Mm-hmm. Which is not true because we just looked at it, and where God is simply to say, "Yeah, I don't look at what man looks at." But as this is a problem back then as it was, it's still evident today where we kind of don't look at the heart, we don't look at the will, we don't look at someone's desire or someone's just urge and just this passion to help people to serve people. We still tend to look at okay well looks good who do i tend to gravitate towards and who do i feel that people will gravitate to mm-hmm. and a lot of times throughout the years you know myself you know other other men that i've come to know throughout time have felt like we've been on the outside because we aren't these exact things that people look for which is unfortunate because we're taught that guy looks at the heart, but a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, and i probably likely unconsciously, we tend to look towards those who have that aura or that appearance of strength or that accolades of strength you know, that could really back up somebody being a leader, you know? Mm. And so, so yeah, that was a, that was a lot of being able to see at that time. And then, for me, even playing part in that, talking to other young men in my teenage years and being able to say, you know, like, hey, you know, if you don't if you don't sit there, if you don't have this, you don't get yourself straight. You know, you're not being a man, you know, and it's like,
3: mm-hmm.
1: who am I, a teenager, a 15 year old, you know, who's still living at home with his parents? No, wasn't knows what it means to be a man. But that's just what's been passed down. Like this expectation, this knowledge of what it looks like to be a man rather than fully understanding what it means to be a man.
0: Yeah, exactly. The The way that you even said there at the end, you know, what it means to be a man rather than what we perceive what it means to be a man is just so. I think is almost at its root where toxic masculinity comes from. It's the expectations that I have to be what society builds as a man. And then, you know, a long time ago, it was like, I got to be the provider. I have to be emotionally stable. I have to even almost be like emotionally reserved. And I think even today in today's culture, and when I was a part of the church, it was, it was even stuff that was with not within somebody's control. You know, obviously there are people who don't take (laughs) care of their bodies. But there are also genetics that go into like if a guy is a little bit more bigger, it's not necessarily his fault. And then for right. me, someone who is five foot five, it's being short and then not being able to be perceived as as much of a man because I'm not six foot. Right. And so it's being overlooked even for qualities that have nothing to do with me whatsoever uh, that we see in society as being the the man who will lead us. And it has definitely, I think it can permeate through into the church. Um, yes. And I think I I've seen and a couple of friends that I've spoken to as well is where they feel most like they're not a man within church culture is in the fact that they don't want leadership. Uh, I mm. have a, a couple of friends who were like, yeah, I just don't, don't really feel like leading a, a certain Bible group. I don't feel like being in front of people. Um, just doesn't really seem like that's, that's where I'm really called to be, which is fine. You know, they can be great servers, right. you know, they can uh, put out the chairs or like provide rides to certain church events. And even that is a great service right. uh, because Jesus was a servant, you know, he washed his, his disciples feet. But I remember there was almost like this stigma of like, Oh, you don't want to be a leader. Then you can't do other things that are equivalent to leading Ah, uh, which sometimes and not always with it was never with poor intention, but it was also kind of like, well, if you can't lead a certain Bible discussion, how are you supposed to lead a girl in a faithful relationship? Right. Uh, and there was this common kind of toxic expectation of what it meant to be a man in the church in that way is yep. that is that like any pressure that you felt like in terms of like because you are a leader within the church? Are there any expectations where you feel like maybe you don't meet them because this is just who you are or, you know maybe you felt a little backlash or that you had to be a certain way
1: absolutely um just just me in general <laughs> i think is a is a form of backlash <laughs> <laughs> um Dang. but it's but it's it's but as you know in jest you know for sure but there have been times where I've been able to really just stand, stand my ground and be like, that's just not what I want to do, you know, and which is all right. It's not a problem. And it is something that we tend to really kind of rope in all together and we tend to separate. So for us, for us being able to speak and for us being able to listen, you know, when we think about serving, you know, it's, it's servitude. And we think about, you know, putting others before ourselves, you know, making sure other people are taken care of. Well, that's also leadership. Yeah. (laughs) Putting others before ourselves, taking care of other people, making sure that they're fine. So there are more than one ways, more, more than one way of leading. It doesn't particularly have to be in front of a discussion or you being, or even in front of being a song leader, you know, like it doesn't have to be you on the forefront, or you even being you at the center of every single thing, or you being like, "Oh yes, we are going to do this. I'm taking charge. Who's all with me?" You know, <laughs> it 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 doesn't have to be that exact thing, and we tend to look at leadership of being someone who's going to be the torchbearer, which in cases is just true, but. We also take away the serving part. We take mm-hmm. away the parts where people that can serve who are true leaders. Like I think about this, I think about this um <clears throat> one of the brothers and man, a great friend that I know, and always known to serve within the drop of a hat, will just give, give up anything, drop anything. If you needed help, he was there it, to the point where he was heavily relied on because of the fact that he he served at a great capacity and i remember when someone's when we were talking about him we're like yeah this is a great guy he's fantastic you know it's like it's like he challenges me on serving you know man he's a great way he goes yeah it'll be great at one point when he begins to lead and we just kind of just looked at each other and we're like well isn't he not already leading right now mm-hmm. because he's like well but let's see if they could, you know, lead a a group or maybe like a small manager here and there. And I'm like, but he's leading right now. Yeah. You know, he's leading definitely not just by example, but he's leading in a way of how it means to be able to go after other people. Mm -hmm. So very easily we can get so wrapped Mm -hmm. up on what it looks like to be in the forefront of leadership, but we forget the servitude behind it.
0: Yeah for sure yeah i think even with at least for me as well and we've already talked about you and i's friendship where it was very it could be boisterous it could be very uh joking i think sometimes it felt like we were we were maybe viewed as a little immature because we were like yo like we were like we were just like so happy to see each other we were constantly goofing off um And it was, it was great, but I think they, I think sometimes there's this, there's this attitude with masculinity, not just within the church, but I think especially in society and it does come into the church a little bit where it's like, get your emotions in check. Don't like, why are you acting so happy to see this guy? Like take it down a notch, like be a little more like, you know, in control and self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit in Galatians five. And I don't want to take away from that at all, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you can't show any emotions. Exactly. In, I believe it's second Samuel, second Samuel six, David dances when they bring the Ark of the covenant, which was something so sacred to the Israelites. They bring it back after it was taken from an enemy army. And he starts dancing before the Lord. And it says he danced with all of his might because he was so overjoyed. that something that was meant to be, God's peoples like was brought back uh, to their land. And there were people who were like, David, like, get, get it together. My guy, like, stop acting like this. Like you're making right. a fool of yourself. This is our King, you know, all this different stuff. But David was the one that was a man after God's own heart. He is exactly. one of the, when it comes to leadership in men's lessons, he's the one that we're always told to be like, if not like Jesus. Right. But if you look at David and even Jesus as well, is that they didn't act the way that a lot of a lot of the standards that society has put
3: before them.
1: Not at all. Not at all. And uh, and I love, you know, just the great examples of both Jesus and David. You know, these men were definitely they were strong, like they were men, you know, they were completely there is no arguing. You know about these guys, but what makes them men being complete is the fact that they were also in tune with their emotions. David, man, like absolutely somebody that I, I really do look to because he he was not afraid of just pouring himself out you know just looking through psalms he could just either be praising god or he could be in despair begging god you know to like protect him or he can just be like god where are you like just laying all out but then he he's unafraid he's mm-hmm. he's still confident he is still strong he still handles his duties but he's able to you know talk about his emotions and i feel that's what that's what that's powerful and sure, in today's society, you know, would any of us strip down to our underwear and be able to dance when something great happens? It's not—it's not really accepted generally. It's—it's um, it's, it's frowned upon. I did it at the grocery
0: store, and I got thrown out. You. I don't understand what's going on. I did.
1: Were you at least wearing a mask? I <laughs> was. Know. I was socially
0: distant <laughs> dancing in my underoos.
4: Good.
1: Good. So, I mean social distance is great, but not to be too crazy about it, you know. But <laughs> but it's um but this is great because like he just did not care. And so it's like, wow, you know, we as men and in society have to be, you know, together at all times.
4: Mm-hmm. We can't
1: be expressive. We can't. We can't even sit there and smile and say we're happy. Like if someone's like, "Hey, how are you feeling?" I'm happy. I'm like, I can't tell. You, know? <laughs> you look mad. <laughs> I'm like, no. I'm. I promise you, I'm happy. You know, having a it's, great it's, day. It's, exactly. It's like, get my first. <laughs> you know, but it's just. I feel honestly, it's just shackling, you know, to me because it's like, you're limited, you know, when we're, we're meant to, you know, be limitless in terms of how we, how we grow, how we share our emotions. But yeah, when we close those certain things off or even another aspect of toxic masculinity is if we're sitting there saying, Hey, you know, like you and I, for example, why are you guys? Hugging each other, or why are you guys sitting so close to each other? Why do you guys get your arms around each other? And you're like, stop that! You know, like that's not that's not cool. You know, like that's uncomfortable to me. You know, and it's like, no, it's an it's an embrace. You know, mm-hmm. like it's a lot of fun. We like we love each other. You know, like we're so excited to be around each other. And I remember my my other one of my other best friends. We broke out in dance, like literally calm setting, and we just looked at looked across the way from each other and his brother uh, is his brother from Baltimore. And we just ran out to each other. We were like, Ooh, then we just started dancing side by side. And then we just had <laughs> this huge hug
4: Aww. and
1: everybody else was just like, so quiet. like, what is happening? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but like, I, I love those kind of relationships to where it's like, man, I can honestly really, you know, I could be myself, but on the other end, like where I do have other, you know, other great friendships who who may not even be that way, but mm-hmm. yet maybe I'm the kind of person to be able to, to help it, to show that, like, yeah, these things are all right. You know, we're brothers. Like nothing's changing that, you know, like we can hug, we can hug, we can embrace, we can talk. If we need to talk, if you need to cry, you can cry, you know, like we can do these things. This is, it's completely okay. Mm-hmm. But we still see the kind of sense of, you know, well, I want to step away from that. I don't want to cry. I don't want to do any of these things because, you know, I may be looked at differently, you know, or I may lose my man card, you know, whatever that means, right. you know. And it's like, no, man, it's like you you won't lose anything, but you'll be able to gain more of yourself, you know, mm-hmm. but we lose ourselves when we limit ourselves.
0: Yeah. For sure. And I think just to draw, continue to draw parallels between today's modern society with toxic masculinity and the ex- expectations of men for our listeners. And then the expectation for men, even within church, is that, and I I, I want to get your input on this too, to Xavier. At another recording, it might have been a little preliminary meeting we had, but uh, I had asked AJ and the guest at the time, like what their first impressions of me were. Um and it's something I just love to ask, you know, everybody. First impressions, what do you think? Stuff like that. But all of my coworkers, I want to say a solid 80% of my coworkers all thought I was gay when I first started. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And AJ, you can you can you can attest to it. Yeah. Give 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 the listeners your opinion (laughs) of me when uh you know when we first were working together.
2: Okay. Uh, I will be completely blunt. When I first when I first met you, I Mm -hmm. did thought I actually thought you gave off bisexual vibes, just because you were you know like you were so comfortable with yourself, and it was so out of the norm for me to see that in a straight guy. That I was like, all right, he's got to like he's got to be bi or something, you know. And you were so like outspoken and like you know outgoing, and like you didn't you said what was on your mind always. So then I was like, okay, you're a little. Capricorn You're a little arrogant (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's a little clairvoyant (laughs) He's a little clairvoyant rising (laughs) (laughs) No but I definitely did think you gave off Bisexual vibes simply because As a girl I have not seen Straight men be so in tune with themselves and be so in tune with their emotions and just be like, yeah, I feel what I feel and what about it, you know? And that's what you gave off. So I was like, okay, there's no way this guy's deaf, like, straight. No way. But I didn't think you were gay either because I was like, you like women. I know you do. But, like, (laughs) (laughs) so then I just cut it in the middle. I was like, he's bi. And then when I found out you were straight, I was like, what? (laughs) And it was only because of that reason. Like, as a woman growing up, there was no... I do not remember the last time I met a straight guy that was just like, all right, with himself, when everything, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, that's sus. <laughs>
4: yeah.
0: He's not He's not who he says he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, a lot of my coworkers have, have thought that, and all of it was the same reasoning. You know, somebody called me the most flamboyant white uh, straight man that they've ever met. People know me uh, that I'm very animated. I'm very. I can be very dramatic. I can be yes. eccentric. Yes, you are. Uh, you know, I just. I love. I love to make people laugh. I love to make people yeah. smile. And then a lot of the follow up is very similar to what AJ said. Uh, and I've had several people be like, "There's just not a a ton of like toxicity about who you like, how you present yourself, like as a guy. You know, like as a right. straight man." Sometimes they like have to be more standoffish. They have to come across like an a-hole or you know, just something of that nature to the point where, like AJ said, it's it's surprising when someone doesn't do that. Um, and I think in the church there there can be some similar vibes where it's not necessarily like that extreme. But I think in the church, sometimes we just have these expectations of of how a man should be. And when they're not that way, they're like, people are like, oh. Like, are you? What is right? Like, what's going on? Like, it's almost like, what's what's wrong with you? You know, I know for you, De Xavier, and you can speak on this too. Kind of segueing back into the church culture, and this sounds a little bit silly, maybe to our our listeners, but De Xavier didn't want to play flag football, and there was a lot of hate that came his way because he didn't yep. want to play flag football in the form of people basically calling him a girl.
1: Yep. What? Yep. That's been years and years back to back to back. So again, this is me. Never played high school football. Don't like it. You know, <laughs> the most that I played flag football was when, you know, we were we were living in California, you know, and that's when I was I was much younger. I was like,
3: yeah, 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 flag football. Ha ha.
1: You know, that was when I was when I was a kid. But then as I got older, I was like, man, you know, I just didn't really see the the thing about it. And even even now, like I said, it's just not my jam. And if anybody loves flag football, you know, hey, I appreciate you and I love you even more, even more of it. But it's just never something that I really enjoyed. And mm-hmm. so, of course, like throughout the year, you know, in certain places, they're like, hey, man, we're going to play some flag football. We're going to go out there. You know, we're going we're gonna to show them what's up. I'm like, this is flag football. so then they'll easily you know they will look at me and not that not explaining myself or describing myself to feel myself but you know me being muscular you know having tattoos you know and they think that that was just like the archetype of like we need to have more muscle on the line we have to be able to get you to play and i'll just be like no they're like well, well why not I, I don't like football I don't want to play oh come on don't you want to come out and be with the men I'm like well I am with the men but I just don't want to play football <laughs> and I know one of the things that they'll go into like they really tried reaching like well you know you do martial arts so maybe you could like pull up your pen, like with a palm strike to block a guy and I was like no you know so it was just trying but the thing that that made me mad the most and i, I generally have a lot of patience towards, was when they're like well why So why are you like we have sisters that will go out there and play with us if they could why won't you and i'll just look around look at them and i'll just stare and i'll sit there and say because i don't like football
4: <laughs> And
1: and I' was like, "Well, you could at least be on the sidelines and cheer with the sisters. you could at least be with your brothers out there." and I was like, "Wow, okay, but they were getting so mad because I didn't want to play, yeah, like playing flag football for this one day out of the entire year is what's going to show me to how manly I am amongst other men. And how I could take a tackle or take a block or a run or even catch the ball, you know, like what's it really going to be now mm-hmm. on one end, they'll say
3: commodity. I see that, but is it really commodity
1: amongst the men if we're going to call each other women if they don't want to play? Yeah, you know, is that a call for unity, regardless if someone doesn't want to play? Or someone does play, they're still one and the same. They're mm-hmm. still supporting one and the same. But are they less of a man because they don't play flag football for one day out of the year? You know. So it was it was mind-numbingly. I think at that one particular time, you know, the first time when I was called out, like I was extremely heated. But then after that, I was like, you know what? I was like, what what do I have to be mad about? You know, I was like, when. I know exactly who I am, and with me having the background in Thai boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu wrestling, and it's like you're going to call me a woman, <laughs> you know. So it was just, it was just baffling to me. But there's this, this there's these attachments that we can have as men as what could describe masculinity, and if we see another man not even showing you know a re, like either showing like having a personality or even the action of whatever we're trying to hold as masculinity then all of a sudden it is a it is problematic because mm-hmm. it is like well i got it so and so got it like what happened with you what's wrong with you and for me like i've always, I've always loved the dress you know granted like I tend to wear, you know, my black jeans, my Converse's, you know, my shirts, my band shirts or whatever. But I love dressing up. Mm-hmm. And there was a period of time where I even, you know, worked on my eyebrows. Like, I was very much about keeping keeping myself clean.
4: Yeah.
1: You know. So. Hygiene. Yes, I love, love it. Hygiene. I love it. Seriously, it's nothing wrong with getting your nails clipped, cleaning the dirt underneath making sure your hair is cut, your beard's nice. If you got your eyebrows, you want to check your eyebrows, do it. It's no problem. No one's yeah. judging you.
2: That is encouraged. You know? That so, should just be the norm exactly, of like, exactly. yo, be clean, dude. I don't understand yeah. why yeah. that's weird.
1: Yeah, It's amazing. I loved it. But I remember when I had my my eyebrows done, which in turn for me, I'm like, you know what, I want to start back doing that again. But when I had my eyebrows done, there were like a lot of eyes looking right at me and then people pulling me aside. am like, Hey, is everything good? Are you fine? I'm like, of course BM i was like, yeah, what's up? It's like, well, maybe you might want to, might want to tone down, you know, you and your appearance because you're kind of giving off a vibe to other people who are coming in that, you know, that you're almost that you're gay. And I was just like, Whoa. I was like, that was a bomb. and it was just, it was just crazy. To, it was just crazy to hear. But mm-hmm. then of course me going, going to school, you know, it's the same thing. The guys are like, man, this dude, got his eyebrows done. I mean, what, did you get your toes done too? Like, you know, the stuff like that, you know, and it's yes. just like, it's like, it's like, it's like uh, yeah, I did. It's it's colored show, you know, but, um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's very quick to how, society and how we're influenced over time that whatever is seen as feminine or not manly, we call it out and then we shame other people or we just don't talk to them anymore, Mm. you know? So, so with that, and then also along with, you know, the people not even talking to me even to this day (laughs) about flag football, you know, just don't talk to me at all and just don't even associate themselves with me. Because I said I just don't want to play black football is crazy. It's real crazy. But I'm okay. You know, and I know that was that was definitely a struggle, being able to be called, you know, being able to be called a woman or being able to be called soft or being called scared because I didn't want to do what other men who considered it manly to do. But I just took a step back and then I was like, wait a minute, but who am I to mm-hmm. do you know who you are? And I just have to remind myself who I am. And then I'm just like, then whatever, you know, that's just more room for me to have greater relationships of people who are going to be accepting of me and then be appreciative. And I've mm-hmm. gained incredible friendships throughout But yeah, it's, it's pretty toxic, you know, when it does go unchecked, when we try to confront other people or shame people for doing things or not doing things because it's not seen as manly. Yeah, for sure.
0: AJ, do you have any thoughts or or questions?
2: Very off topic, but like. Totally, yeah. Just why are you using women as a diss? I'm pretty sure we can handle more pain than you. Just saying. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know. Genetically, <laughs> all right. That's all I have to say on that. But second of all, <laughs> I've always like wondered why men take so much pride in like not taking care of themselves. Like when you said you're getting your eyebrows and your toes clipped, I was like, yes, I, your wife. She got a good one. She got a real one. Let me just say,
4: <laughs> cleanliness.
2: You know what they say? Cleanliness is next to godliness. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I don't understand why you're like, oh, manicures. What? That's so. That's so woman like. Like, no, it should be human like. Because exactly your nails, your fingers touch everything, man. Oh, like, yeah. what? Get go get a nail file. But <laughs> also, I just um but what i the my question is is do you think that the men in church culture that care so much about the way that they're perceived more than anything else do it makes me wonder like are they even focused on their the way god views them at that point like that's what mm. i'm thinking of is like you're so worried about the way other people look at you It almost seems, it almost sounds like you're losing focus of why you're actually here and what you're actually meant to be doing. And that's, you know, I was wondering if you think the same thing.
1: Yeah. Finger snaps all the way around, you know, and I say that because as that's, I've been in that place as well, you know, consistently questioning myself, questioning my honor, you know, questioning, you know, my manhood, or even just questioning my place in general the very moment where i feel like i don't have what other people are looking for or what other people may have then all of a sudden you know i just go into this downward spiral of just self-loathing and feeding into what is toxic masculinity goes into that form of toxic insecurity just being incredibly insecure like you said which is which is absolutely the perfect explanation and quite honestly that has been shared many times, you know, even within whenever we will get together and have uh, centered lessons amongst the men, is being able to, you know, encourage each other, build each other up, just to keep ourselves focused. You know, a key thing that we're consistently reminded to do is to be able to see ourselves before God.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Because so easily, when we don't and we take our eyes off of God, the person that we see is ourselves. And then when we see ourselves, we begin to compare ourselves to others. Am I just as a man as this person or am I less than him or is he, am I more of a man than he is? Just so that we can feel validated that, okay, I'm fine, I'm good. And they do go hand in hand. You know, and it's and it is and it is a very sad thing. But what I really do love, you know, just uh, about our fellowship is the fact that you know these things is they're not ignored. We do see these things, and we are extremely aware. But we do actively try to take steps and to being able to rectify, encourage, allowing times to where we can just. You know, be sincere or like they used to be able to say or continue to say to this day, like being like, you know, gut level, like within the deepness, you know, of your own entity, like just being completely open and honest with yourself, you know, with how you're feeling, having an opportunity to be able to share that and be able to know that it's a safe place. So we so we do. In light of seeing how we can take ourselves away, our sights away from God and be able to lose ourselves and forget knowing who we are before God, but then having each other to kind of remind each other, corral and be able to say, hey, no, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Do not lose yourself. Remember who you are. You are specifically made. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, know who you are before God. And it is a constant reminder that we do need, but yeah, absolutely. Like AJ, you're, you're spot on, you know, with that, because even for, even for the men who may not even have God in their life, you know, some men naturally they're just like, I'm content. I love myself. I'm good. You know, they, they don't really have that kind of struggle, but for, for a lot of us, you know, who, who've either grown up having this idea constantly being run across your face or you being placed in situations that you are either being questioned of your masculinity and then we begin to really start checking ourselves at the end of the night or journal and be like, hey, how much of a man have I really been today? You know, and it's like a very warped way of thinking. You know, so yeah, they do definitely
0: go ahead in hand. For sure. I think and we talked about this in the meeting before the recording, is that I think a lot of in church culture where the disconnection is, is we stop going from what can God do through this man? And rather it becomes what can this man do for God? Right. Because Every person that was chosen by God was not a alpha male type of personality. Those men were always put to shame for their foolish Mm -hmm. and selfish decisions. Uh, You look at Gideon, who God had to tell him in Judges 6, like, am I not sending you? Right. Moses, who had a speech impediment. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it was Moses that was like, just send somebody else. You know, like after he ran out of excuses, he was all, I was like, nah, I don't (laughs) want to go. Uh, that's an Exodus (laughs) three. Abraham in Genesis was just incredibly old. Uh, his wife was viewed as barren and yet he was meant to be the man that was going to basically be the starting point of God's people. And I think when we become so consumed about how we think we should present ourselves we lose touch with how God actually made us and how God can use us with the way that we're made because we, as humans, none of us are perfect. Uh And if you're someone who is following God, you understand that, that God is perfect. And that even though you're imperfect, God still made you. So it should stand to reason that God can use your imperfections to build his kingdom, just as much as he would want to use your strengths but when we only focus on our strengths, we impede that. And that was right. something you were saying earlier, Desaver, when you were talking about like, we, really, we limit ourselves from being limitless when we hold ourselves to certain expectations. Uh, right. And I wanted to get your opinion on this real quick, just on this topic, because obviously we want to start go- moving towards what is healthy masculinity. But another big topic is mental health and mm. emotions. Right. And not that emotions and mental health are the same they 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 are they are different um i know i think as a man men can suffer with depression yeah but other men will say we'll just stop being sad right they want to treat it like it's just some mood or some emotion that you feel that's supposed to be fleeting or that you can push down and repress uh so that you can keep moving forward as a strong man strong willed person of the lord you know but mental health is a very serious issue. And I wanted to get your, just your perspective or, you know, you share your own personal story when it comes to maybe your own experience with like mental health and having emotions in in a world that can be filled with a toxic standard to not have those things.
1: Yes. So as we, as we continued on with this conversation, so I'm pretty sure sober of you picked up that yeah I'm a I'm a I'm an emotional being, you know. And, and Same. for me, you know, I have no shame. And I remember like it's funny how you talked about how what how your your coworkers would explain you. You know, I would ask a few of my friends, like, hey Nelson, when you see you, when you when you see me, you think of me like what's the first thing come across your mind? You know, they would be like, Well you wear your heart on your sleeve.
4: Mm-hmm. You
1: know? <laughs> you know, as they say it's a good and bad thing. I was like, okay. It's cool it's good <laughs> you know good explanation when this realm of emotions and you know just as well as just the uh, mental health for myself I I have anxiety disorder and I have bipolar disorder so this was diagnosed I'll say back in 2013 and it was this a floodgate of things that was happening. I was, I was dating, you know, someone else. And I don't know, for whatever reason that was taking place or happening, I I find myself, you know, experiencing a lot of highs, you know, kind of frantic or kind of manic be like wanting to be able to go about and do all these different things. But then I also started experiencing like these lows, like, oh man, like these heavy, deep thoughts to the point where I would go into depression. And something happened where along the way, a lot of different things of my life were starting to come together as to who I am with my relationship with my dad at the time. And all these things came rushing to a head as to why I felt the way I felt. And it it just consumed me. like. Every 10 minutes, I was crying. I was rushing everywhere. My coworkers are like, oh my gosh, is this dude okay? You know, and I appreciate the director at my job at the time, as well as a a instructor who encouraged me and led me some more resources to be able to even further get, you know, some testing done and to be able to seek, you know, seek some professional help. Mm -hmm. And I remember like I was just a mess and I remember just sitting there on the phone crying with this girl, like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is the way I am, the way I am because of this, because of this, like we can, we can actually have a good relationship now. You know, I hope so, please. You know, like this is overwhelming for anybody, you know, mm-hmm. who's, you know, not everybody will be able to be there, you know? So it was overwhelming. Um, I know we broke up, like it was just like a whirlwind a whirlwind of stuff that year that I remember like every week was something was happening, you know, that broke up. The first week was a breakup. The second week I had, my friend got murdered third week, you know, I got booted off a school program because they actually had a glitch in the system. And the last week, you know, I got furloughed from my job. So I was just like, what is going on? You know, and I remember, you know, after the, after the the therapy going and being able to, you know, actively go. Cause that's what I wanted. I wanted health. And mm-hmm. I remember speaking to one of the leaders, you know, he was just calling me just to follow up after, you know, the breakup because we were in two different cities, you know, he led the city down, he led the other city. And we sitting there, we were just talking and I, I expressed, you know, like, my griefs as well as my frustrations with how things were, how things were going and how there wasn't, you know, a lot of help or assistance in terms of, you know, our relationship and does that matter. But, um, but for that, I wanted to take the opportunity to share with him, you know, what I, what I've learned more about myself and what I've done to be able to, you know, seek, seek professional help, you know, learning about, you know, me. Over the years, not knowing I had anxiety, not knowing I was bipolar, but the fact that I've been able to maintain it until this burst of a bubble happened, you know, so explaining to him about my diagnosis, explaining to him that I've been taking therapy, you know, things have been going great and full front remembering on the phone and he sat there and he said, citizen, you know, is no matter you say or how you spin it you know citizen and that crushed me Mm -hmm. because that was one of the things that that was pretty big on me because i definitely wanted to make sure that i was in good graces you know i got risk had came back you know to church i i wanted to make sure i was going right and you know just being firm and just having that voice again but to be able to talk about like a moment that where I couldn't control myself, there was no possibility mm-hmm. of doing so, you know, and finding out what it is and explaining the lens of how I'm going about change, but then being told it's sin. Yeah. And I, I didn't take it well at all, you know, to the point where I just continued to struggle, you know, then I had thoughts of suicide. To the point where I even told my mom, I was like, hey, I'm just letting you know when I do get the urge, I need you to take me to the hospital. Yeah. So it was heavy. And I, that's when I really knew just the fact that, like, yeah, a lot of men really don't talk about mental health or their emotions because other men do not know how to communicate it. Mm hmm. They don't know how to understand it. They don't know how to 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 care for it. So not just in a church setting. You know, overall, we, re, we if we can't find an explanation or to even just try to understand, we rush to the defense of, well, that's not just being a man. Yeah. You, oh, you're talking about your emotions? That's not being a man oh, you have mental health issues? Why are you talking about that out in the open? You're just going to look like you're weak. That's not being a man. Yeah. And so it's taboo still to this day, which is crazy, of men and mental health. But even so within a church setting, how it can also still be a taboo situation and talk about mental health and seeking professional guidance. Because we do want to be able to pray and we want to be able to be faithful. And we want to be able to see, you know, what can go about it. But my argument, you know, in response to that is, I like, yes, you know, these things are fantastic. But there wouldn't be mental health experts if God didn't deem them to be, you know, important or yeah. worthy. There wouldn't even be a form or even a topic, anything related to mental health, if it was not going to be important for us mm-hmm. as a whole. So it was it was definitely it was it was, a, it was a tough time, but I learned from that, yeah, I need to even more so than ever really listen and understand other people when they are struggling with mental health or even their insecurities with it, by helping them to even feel empowered
3: mm-hmm.
1: with their mental health, with their emotions and being able to say it's okay. Before, I used to say, you know, I hate my anxiety. I hate my bipolar, you know. that it's, you know, where it's like, you know, it's just, it's just a thorn on my side or it's just a constant trouble to me. But I don't look at it like that anymore. I look at it in the sense of, man, without this, I would be too arrogant to not go to God. I would be too mm-hmm. arrogant. To not express my pain, express my emotions. I would be the stereotype, the man, if I didn't have any of if I did not have or experience any of these things as I had throughout my life Mm -hmm. with my emotions. And then later on with my diagnosis, I wouldn't be that guy. But I'm more than grateful to be able to have it and to be able to own it, to be able to say that, you know, yes, I have it. It doesn't have me. You know, so just a quick encouragement, if any of you are struggling with that, I know we've had an episode of mental health, you know, it's fantastic. Um, but if you are struggling, definitely reach out, speak, seek help. It is okay. There's mm-hmm. not a problem, it doesn't make you less of a man. You are even more responsible and even stronger as a man when you seek help instead of just dealing with it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's incredibly ironic, I think, that toxic masculinity says that you can't have emotions, that mental health isn't a real issue. But then we turn around and we in church culture, because it's the same way, we can like you said, we can look at emotion and be like, "Oh, sin." Or, you know, mental health, up not an excuse you know or like not a real thing uh but then we focus so heavily on jesus in the garden of gethsemane which is matthew 26 which was jesus's most emotional moment he was in the garden saying god if this is your will i'll do it but if there is any other way don't do it. You know, if there right. is any other way, like I don't want to go through this pain through this torture that I'm about to experience. Jesus in that moment was incredibly anxious. In the gospel of Luke, it said that he had sweat, like drops of blood. And that doesn't come from not having any emotions. That doesn't come from a happy emotion. Jesus was incredibly emotional. David wept. He fasted in second Samuel. Uh, when he had, his whole ordeal with Bathsheba. Yep. And once again, he had so many Psalms that were filled with emotion, filled with sadness, grief, anger, you know, all of it. And yet in men's lessons, we're like, we got to be more like David. We got to be more like Jesus. And you can't take the things that you want of Jesus and laud that and not look at him and be like, Oh, he's emotional it needs to be okay that we have emotions too. Like that has right. to be all right. That has to be the standard moving forward. Uh, and so to, to brighten the, to kind of put it on the upswing, uh, I remember you had shared a story that was very near and dear to you when you experienced a healthy masculinity. Um, right. And more so with, with your father. Do you mind sharing that for our listeners?
1: I don't mind at all. You know, so I'm, I, was a, I was a senior in high school. You know, the team and the week before the conversation I had with my dad, we we had an argument, you know, that turned into a fight. You know, it was, it was a lot of different things. I was pent up, you know, over the years and we was it was just there, you know. So it was just a lot of feelings of just being like, man, you know, I, we're, do, we're doing a lot. It's a matter of doing, but I don't really feel you know, like you're my father. You know you're you're doing the duties of a father, but I don't feel like you're my father. And it was only the the evening before I went to prom, and my dad came in, and I had already expected to go on YouTube and learn how to tie a tie. You know, because I never I never knew how to tie a tie, or there's a lot of different things that you will look at between father and son that you would. He would know to do, but that it wasn't like that for me. And, you know, major props to my dad, you know, definitely, you know, risk risking his life and fighting for a country, you know, mm-hmm. and um really, really protecting us and providing us, not even just our family, but countrywide. So I have much respect for him. And I remember, you know, he knocked on my door and he said, hey son, can I come in? And I was like, yeah. And, you know, he's at the just like, sat down and sat on my bed. You know, I sat at my computer chair, and he was like, "I want, th- I want to tell you that I'm sorry." And for me, that was big, because mm-hmm. I was like, "Man, this was the first time my dad's apologized to me." You know, and so yeah, I, admittedly, I was a little bit scared because <laughs> I, I didn't know I didn't know what was going to follow. Uh, right. But when dad was like, for so long, you know, all I knew was to be able to provide as a father, but clothes on your back, put food on your table, you know, put a roof over your head, make sure you're taken care of. Because that's what I've learned from my own dad. That's all I knew. But I didn't know and I see that I have not done much with love. I didn't express how proud I am of you. Mm -hmm. Express how much I care about you. I gave you everything else, but I didn't give you emotion. And I see that's what it was needed the most. And yeah, I, I cried, you know, <laughs> you know, spoiler alert. I cried and, um, and it was, it was huge because I'm seeing this muscular beast of a man sitting on my bed, a sincere look in his eye, telling me that he, 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 he definitely dropped the ball on providing emotion for me,
4: mm-hmm. you
1: know, expressing to me and loving me and showing, you know, and talking about how much he cares for me. Like, if you're listening, my, my dad absolutely loved and cared for me throughout time. And my mom has shared with me countless times throughout the years when I was a teenager of how my, how my dad loved and cared for me. But what was different was that I wasn't hearing it from him at the time. Mm. So it was like, Yeah, okay, sure, mom. You're telling me this, okay. But I'm not hearing that from dad. Yeah. So that's why it was was huge when my dad expressed what he lacked, what he's felt, what he's learned, and been able to further say, I don't want us to have a relationship or to have a stronger one when you leave the house. And... It was, it was big, you know, he apologized, you know, he talked about how much he loved me, said how much he cared for me and how he was proud of being able to graduate and move on and continue to grow. And that was like the most, the most that my dad has ever said about those things. You know, there have been other times where my dad would sit there and say, Hey, son, I was, I know you messed up. I see, I see that, you know, I've done the same thing too when I was younger. There were smaller moments like that too. Mm-hmm. But that was the biggest for me because not only he talked about himself, but he also talked about his relationship, you know, with my papa, you know, rest in peace. And I'm glad with him, how it was with him in essence of what he desired from papa and how he sees that's what, you know, I needed as well. So that was, I felt that was, that was really big for me, you know, being able to hear that as a teenager. And I know that was something that I just carried with myself Mm because for, for bits and pieces, I was always kind of reserved about how I needed to talk about my emotions. But after that conversation, like I I held nothing back anymore. Mm -hmm. So anytime someone asks how you doing, they heard how i was doing you know so it wasn't like oh it's going great you know god is good all the time amen you know it wasn't like any of those things it was like you know hey how are you doing well you know what honestly i did not have a good week yeah you know this is what i'm really struggling with there has been some great but quite honestly i'm just tired you know it is really expressing my emotions yeah and i honestly really give you know major props and really credit that to my dad you know, for being able to do that. And I honestly feel that was a perfect time for me leaving high school, going to the next stage of my life, mm-hmm. where if we didn't have that conversation, who mm-hmm. knows, I probably still would be reserved. I probably still would hide my emotion. I probably still would not, you know, really identify with other things because of what is man versus woman politics. But if it wasn't for that conversation, I definitely would have been that person. Yeah. But I'm more grateful that we had that. Yeah, for sure. And I
0: think those moments, they carry into other parts of your life later on. Like you were the one that I always felt most comfortable telling all my stuff to. You know, I never once felt like I had to put on a certain type of personality or, you know, with you being, you know, what we called our discipler, but uh, was like a a mentor or an accountability partner. Yeah. Uh, You were together. (laughs) Yeah. We were, we were, we were definitely in the fight together. Uh, And you were one of the only two people that I actually felt genuinely comfortable telling everything to, as someone who was my mentor. Um, I always felt like I could, you know, we, we had cried together multiple times. Uh, I had vented to you multiple times, uh, even up to the point where I was deciding to leave just constant comfort with that, you know, no matter what path I chose, I knew that there was going to be love from you And that was something that had developed because there was never an ounce of toxicity in our relationship. Uh, And I think with you leading a ministry, you know, in your own right. And then me also having some forms of leadership in terms of like Bible groups or song ministry, stuff like that. It was amazing and really helpful for me to see uh, a, a form of a type of male leader, man leadership that wasn't ruled by a certain standard. Uh, That you had to be a certain way. Uh, And I thought that was uh, incredible. And I think this leads into our advice portion, which is, how can men in the church start embracing a healthy masculinity?
1: It's a great question. Honestly, Bill, just acknowledging it. You know, for so long, we ignore it. It's out of sight. It's out of mind. We don't want to deal with it. We acknowledge it, we admit it, we admit it's faults that we come to address these things, and we actively seek to learn. Not only teach, learn. You can never stop learning about yourself. You can never stop learning about you know a healthy you know masculinity, not just within a biblical setting, but just as a man overall, you know, expressing comfortability, being comfortable and seeking to be comfortable, seeking to understand so that other people can be comfortable as well, because you never know how many people will just completely just open up if they didn't feel they have to be a certain way or to say certain things because of maybe how you present yourself. You know, and that's something that we all, not even just this, this church wide, you know, all churches, you know, when it comes to addressing healthy masculinity, really just being able to stand together Mm -hmm. as men, address it, be able to learn so that in generations to come, we can properly teach, we can properly show, we can properly express. So they, too, won't grow up in confusion, you know, grow up, you know, with conflict, or even just grow up just ignoring it, too, because that's what everybody else does. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more we just go after learning about each other, not just on the surface, but just the deepest of the deeps, then I feel we can continue going on. And there are strides. You know, especially amongst the men that that I'm that I'm with and what we've been doing, and so it's been great. But we definitely need to be able to do more because a lot of us can be easily just be stuck in our ways because, well, it wasn't like this for me back then. Why should I have to worry about it right now? But then, not counting how it affects the later, the future. You know, when we just ignore what is true, which is how do we, how can we grow and how can we understand and learn and then teach about having healthy masculine?
4: Yeah.
0: I, yeah, absolutely. I think the first step, and, and this is a very common thought, but the first step to getting help is obviously admitting that there's a problem. Yep. You know, you can't say, all right, well, we need to fix this without really addressing that there's an issue. And I think something that can be so entangled in a society and inside a church culture is that there not only has to be an identification that there's a problem of toxic masculinity within a church culture there also has to be a measure of ownership for each individual person as well like maybe you don't consider yourself to have toxic masculinity but that doesn't exempt you from taking a look in the mirror to find out like you said we can never stop learning it's it's important if we're if you're going to eradicate it completely that everybody takes ownership where ownership is due, you know, mm-hmm. like maybe you don't, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're an emotional guy and you're willing to embrace your emotions, but you still call someone a girl because they don't want to play flag football. Right. You know, maybe you're a servant, maybe you're really gentle, but you're still keeping a standard and maybe it's not of other people. Maybe it's even to yourself that yeah. you have to fit a certain mold. To be considered a man, or to be considered enough among the men uh, within, not just a church culture, but even society right. in in general. Yeah, and I think AJ, you had a great question when we were doing our preliminary study about what women can do, because obviously, you know, toxic masculinity is a very uh, it can be a one sided conversation. You know, considering Absolutely. it's yeah. Yeah. you know talking about a manly, 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 but uh, what are the it... manly things? Sure. Testosterone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so go go ahead. I I think yeah. If you want to ask the question,
3: or
2: I do. Um. Yeah. I. D- it can mostly be a one-sided thing, but I. I do. I have seen in my own time and experience that a lot of women also contribute to the toxic masculinity aspect of everything. Like women have, not all of us, but women have expectations for men as well it's like like, for example it's like i want to date a tall guy because tall guys are manly sorry john like you know
0: (laughs) oh no i've i've heard that all my life i'm I'm so sorry angered by it anymore i know that that's the expectation
2: (laughs) yeah like we perpetuate it further and as well as like we don't we always look at mental health as a as a mainly a woman problem and we Right. right brush off Men's feelings, and you know, all that stuff. And I want to help and contribute into breaking that. So, mm-hmm. my question was during the preliminary um, meeting with you was, what can women do in regards to providing support? Because I know that it's already hard enough talking about your feelings mano a mano, you know? Right. I can't imagine how it is when you're talking to a girl. Right. you know, about how you feel and you're just like, oh, I don't want to like give her the wrong impression. I want to be a, I want to be a macho. And you know, yeah. But right. I, I want at least all of the men also listening to know that you can talk about it and it's okay, but what can we do to help bring comfort and support with that?
1: Mm-hmm. Right. And that was a, that was a great question, you know, AJ. And so with that, it's funny. Cause I, it was, thinking about it and i I put it together like a little acronym so oh my uh, gosh
2: yay i love acronyms
1: so (laughs) lua lua listening understanding assurance and i feel like these are the big three things that women can do that can be extremely helpful is just by listening understanding you know and expressing assurance and nine times out of ten a lot of like a lot of us we're not looking for you to be like our therapist, <laughs> you know, much like how sometimes you like on my wife, should be like, you know, can I, can I vent for right now? I'm like, okay, go ahead. You know? And it's like, <laughs> we, 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 as men, we definitely want to be able to be heard as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's incredibly important to listen, you know, and of course not interrupt or interject like, well, I think this is this. I think you shouldn't be doing this because that's common. You know what we can do, but it's it it really drives it in even further when you're listening when you're like, "Hey, I'm here, it's okay. continue, please speak, you know, and you're there, you're listening like, again, yeah, what else you know like that's everything you've been feeling like I, I can't believe what I, you know like really leading into understanding like wow i I would have never imagined you feeling that way you're doing that like I'm really sorry that you feel that way like you know. Outside of talking to me, like has there been anything else that you've done? Like being able to understand and assess, so that they can be able to, you know, continue to talk. I'm not saying like this is a cheat code for talking to men, um, but
4: <laughs> I
2: figured like, it out, these, ladies.
1: Right? <laughs> like the code is in. You know, <laughs> do this one simple trick, and all the men will be angry. Um, but it's like, yeah, honestly, just really understanding. And then showing like that like you do understand, not in a sense that's condescending or you're just like, I'm doing it to do it, but being genuine, like, okay, I get it. I I, I get that. And then just the assurance, which is key and critical, and helping them know, like, that, wow, I thank you for sharing that with me. And I don't see you any less than, than who you are,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and just helping them to be like, yeah, they're still the same person, regardless of what they said. And I love, I love my wife uh, for that. Cause I know in the beginning, like, I mean, it's been like a, it's been a custer, you know, she didn't really understand, you know, the brevity of, you know, mental health and what that things were. And I remember so insecure, you know, when I was getting so close to the point where I was like, yeah, I want to marry this woman, you know? And I remember we were talking and this is all, this is what she did. She listened when I talked with her about what I was feeling in terms of, you know, like with my mental health, my insecurities, you know, like these things were pretty big, you know, for me, because you know, I was really insecure and in talking about that, you know, after different several experiences. And mm-hmm. I was encouraged, I was encouraged to talk with her about it. And I remember she listened, she was holding my hand, she understood. And then when I told her, I was like, so, you know, I asked my, like, Hey, so, do you, like, knowing all these things, knowing, you know, that this is a constant struggle of me, do you, like, is this, am I somebody you still want to be with? And she had looked at me and was like, you're still the same person. You are still the Xavier that I want to be with. And it just, like, ugh, all that weight. <laughs> it's being completely nervous, complete nerve-wracked, like, I'm expecting no, I don't want to be with you no more. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, like, like, oh my God, no. You know, it's like so That's a upset. great British accent. I know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I practice. Um, good. But, but just being able to have that expectation, but the moment I spoke, she listened. The moment I explained, she understood. And she assured. hmm so that I wouldn't question who I am. And, and yeah, I I definitely love her for that. And we continue to learn together. You know, she continues to learn, but she's been amazing. And, and in turn, it's not going to be like a dating relationship. You don't have to have a dating relationship to have these conversations. And it is important to have, you know, healthy boundaries in case if it is like a lot, then you can be like, like, I feel you. I understand you. Do you mind if we can maybe look into seeing how we can get some additional help, you know, being able to be the encouragement and that push, you know, after listening, after understanding, and then just still assuring like, hey, you are still the same person, you know, that I admire. You're still the same person that I know and joke around with, like nothing's going to change. Yeah. That's, that's, that's powerful for what any woman can do. Nothing beats listening, understanding, and giving it assurance.
3: Yeah.
2: I wrote that down. <laughs> Just for future, future times. Lua. Lua.
0: <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he also held my hands and told me all this stuff and asked if I still wanted to be with him. That is oh, true. my and gosh. I, and I that said yes as well. She so. Judith, when Dude. you listen to this, you're not special.
2: <laughs> oh, Judith, don't don't listen to him.
1: <laughs> the rivalry continues. That's right.
0: <laughs> I'm on her side. Bye. You had you had the summer off, but I'm back. School's back right? in session, baby.
1: <laughs> Be careful. She's a she's a fighter. She's a scrapper. Sweet, you know the lockers. Is- taught a few things so you know just be careful <laughs> john's
2: like uh, i'm clairvoyant so right. that's
1: right I'm but i'm a
0: voice. clairvoyant rising so i
2: got the advantage
0: <laughs> but no i think i think yeah it's something that's really big for for our, all the ladies out there when it comes to helping break the cycle of toxic masculinity assurance and reassurance and reassurance and reassurance is super important and that sounds really redundant but let me reassure you that that is one of the most powerful things you can do when helping to break the cycle of toxic masculinity because here's the thing guys are insecure yeah Yeah. they're not all that (laughs) i know i'm not we've already joked about how i'm short
2: I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, you're good. It's something that I'm. I've. I've learned to embrace. You are tall uh, in my heart. Oh, thanks. That's right. Uh, take that, Judith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but guys, will with the standards that come with masculinity, I often sometimes am insecure about being small and re- like being short in relationships. I can be insecure about my emotions in relationships. My mind can sometimes go to dark places and I can be scared to voice that because then what if the person that I'm with or even, you know, friendships, it's like, Oh, well you have that going on. Like, Oh, that sounds like a lot. Like, and for all the girls out there, that are looking to help with, to break the cycle of toxic masculinity. You have to be willing to, to reassure them when that happens when they show when we when guys show their imperfections we need just as much as reassurance as you want reassurance when you open up about your stuff too right you know there's there's a lot of tiktoks out there where girls are like would you love me if i was a worm
2: like (laughs) yeah y'all ask
0: some silly questions
2: (laughs) listen we've had a pass for way too long we're just asking y'all everything at this point
0: (laughs) that's right that's right and but the thing is guys also have have insecurities. And sometimes they can feel like they're unworthy of love because they have some shortcoming.
1: Yeah. Uh, right. So
0: reassurance is incredibly important. And Lua is a fantastic acronym uh, Absolutely. to, to focus on that.
1: Let's make it a
2: thing. John, I just would like to reassure you that I still want to be your friend, even though I'm taller than you. Okay. I, sti-
0: wow. I need time to think about it.
2: that's right
0: you did i appreciate that yeah no i think i think this has been really helpful and i think when we start to create a culture where people can be more welcoming about voicing those emotions those insecurities about breaking the norms about what society means or what society defines as a man both within the church and without and outside of the church i think we're heading towards a very bright spot in that area where people can feel more comfortable voicing their imperfections and be used fully as God would have them used where right. they really can't be great men of God uh, who can do amazing things like Gideon and David and Moses and all these men that we mentioned beforehand. And I, I yeah, I just really appreciate you to Xavier coming on and, and sharing so vulnerably and me too uh, closely and joking around with us about what it, what does it really mean to, to embrace a healthy level of, of masculinity, being able to humbly, uh, shed light on, on the toxicity that can, uh, permeate throughout church cultures.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I thank both, both you and AJ for having me on. Definitely a joy was looking forward to it. You know, that was a lot of fun.
2: And I just want to say, I'm very proud of you. And I'm very proud of you too, John. I'm proud of both of you um, for how far you guys have both come in your journey. Uh, And I think I honestly wholeheartedly believe that you meet everyone for a reason, whether it be a lesson or just for some sort of self-discovery. And you definitely have taught me a lot. And so I, I want to say thank you. And I appreciate that.
1: Oh, wow. Hey, thank you so much. Uh, that's, uh, that's fun. That's, that's, I appreciate that. Yeah. I had a, lots of words, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're welcome. But that's i I appreciate that, you know, and absolutely, you know, I, uh, again, it further gives me more encouragement to continue and to just, you know, be a difference maker. Yeah.
2: We love difference making. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For sure. And Xavier, if people have more questions just about maybe your journey with masculinity or have questions about toxic masculinity, how we can really uh, grow with each other to create a a more healthier perspective of that, or even just to to discuss Lua further, where uh, where can our listeners reach you?
1: Absolutely. So I do have an email that you can reach out to me. And from there, we can either just exchange email, or you can go on Zoom. And whether or not if you seeking any input, or if you want me to listen, I don't mind at all. You know, I'll hear you out. And if you want to be able to speak and speak out anything that you feel or anything that troubles you, I'll be there to listen to you too. So an email that you can reach out to me is ZayTalks, D-Z-A, Delta Zeta Alpha, dot t a l k s at gmail.com that is zay talks reach out to me and definitely i will have an ear out to listen to you
0: incredible
3: i love it
0: (laughs) (laughs) and We'll be able to put that up on the Forgive Me Father Instagram, the Forgive Me Father Facebook. If you guys are listening, you somehow found us without going on to either one of those, go do it. Go hit like, go hit follow, go be in tune with every single time that we release episodes here from the Confession Booth, uh, talking more and more about different aspects of church culture. Absolutely how we can use it to continue to grow and to bridge the gap of conversation and just understand people better. So until next time, guys, thanks for listening and we'll see you later.
1: See you later.